Hello and welcome to the DC Daily Drop. I'm Tom. I'm Zach. And we are back again with Brent Clark from DC TV Squadcast, which is a podcast where he goes. It's it's similar to our weekly recap, except he and Ray go a lot more in depth on the DCCW shows. An excellent podcast for that. And also Fans Without Borders, where they kind of talk about anything uh, they want to pop culture wise. Hi, Brent. Hey, how are you doing? We're doing well. Thanks again for coming back and get, getting to put you in the spotlight and ask uh, a lot of hard questions. I don't know how hard they are, but they're, they're meant to be fun. We're glad to see what kind of answers you might have here. Sure. Happy to happy to be here once again. All right. Well, what is your first DC memory? We will jump right in. If you have a memory of a comic or a movie or how were you first introduced to anything DC related? Um, I'm sure it was the uh, I'm sure it was the probably the old Super Friends cartoons. Um, my parents have told me they used comics to help me learn to read. So maybe it was with that. But the first thing that came to mind was actually this old Superman cartoon from the 80s. Uh, it's the it's produced by Ruby Spears Entertainment. Yes. If you haven't heard of it, look up Ruby Spears uh, Superman on YouTube. Um, I remember an episode with Wonder Woman in it. I don't remember a lot, but leave it to me to remember a crossover episode. Um, <laughs> so that's really what it uh, what what I think of as probably the oldest like firm memory that's awesome yeah i haven't seen all of that i actually have the dvd now and i've been planning to watch that forever um have you gone back and rewatched that ruby spears series i've gone back and watched some of them i haven't haven't gone back to them all but honestly the animation considering it's from the 80s it's really not bad i mean it, it holds up pretty good i mean you can tell it's older but it it's not like it's not like the old Batman cartoons or Superman cartoons where half the time they just kind of glide like a PowerPoint presentation. It, <laughs> it's really not, it's not bad. Yeah. And that was several years before Batman, the animated series, and it only lasted 13 episodes, but um, yeah, I've have heard a lot of good things about the series and I'm really disappointed in myself for not watching it yet. Well, now you have to go do that. All right. Moving on. Question number two, who's your favorite DC hero? If if you really had to make me single it to to just one, I would probably say Kyle Rayner, Green Lantern. But I really think of kind of co-favorites between him and Connor Kent, the Con L clone version of Superman that we got after the death of Superman in the 90s. All right. That, that's good. I'm glad you I'm glad, of course, you didn't go with Batman. I'm just <laughs> I was just thinking of how how hard this podcast must be for you, because you, I mean, you don't like choosing I mean, you probably like choosing your favorites and everything, but uh, having to pick one probably isn't very fun because you you like a lot and you don't you don't like uh, putting down others, right? I yeah, I mean, I I feel like if you're choosing your favorite based on ones you don't like, I don't know. To me, that just doesn't sit right. Um, and and no, I know I know it seems like everybody says Batman is their favorite, and that's fine. Nothing against Batman, but I mean, Batman's not actually my favorite Batman character, and so I I have nothing against him, but he doesn't hold a candle to uh. Kyle Rayner and Connell for me. Nice. Uh, well, who is your favorite Batman character since you mentioned it? Uh, that would have to be Tim Drake. Um, I I really like the sidekicks. And so Tim Drake, Dick Grayson, uh, Barbara Gordon. I, I really like those characters a lot more. And when I'm talking about Tim Drake, I do specifically mean like his first costume. The first Tim Drake Robin costume is by yeah. far the best Robin costume ever. Yeah. Nice. Well, have you were you first was Cal Rainer, your first Green Lantern, or was that uh, um, were you introduced to Hal first, and then you just like Cal better? Or? It it was more of a thing where, like, I knew who Hal was, I knew who the Green Lanterns were, were, but probably the first time I read more than 
two consecutive issues of a Green Lantern comic was actually Kyle Rayner. I've since gone back and gotten a lot of the older Green Lantern comic books anyway, because I really just grew to love that whole franchise. Um, and so, but it, I mean, it was really when I, I sat down, I was at a friend's house and he had a couple of the Kyle Rayner comics and I read them and I just fell in love. Nice. Well, is it, uh, what about it made you, you made you appreciate Kyle Rayner so much? <laughs> Honestly, it's probably the, uh, comparisons to Spider-Man. Um, okay. A lot of people call him a lot of people refer to him as like Spider-Man for the DC universe because he was so new. He was so raw. He had nobody to help him learn. Uh, he's a joking character. Of course, he lived in New York like every character character in Marvel does. I, I think that's what it was. And he gets a lot of flack for his costume, his, especially like the crab mask. I always liked it. Something about it. It, it was so different than all the other masks I'd really seen because everyone else either has you know, like a full cow, like Batman or the domino mask, like what Nightwing wears. And it was just so different. And I, it just really drew, drew me to it. Yeah. And, and Connor Kent, when he's introduced, he's sort of, uh, he's, he's similar in that way. He's a more lighthearted version, uh, more fun loving, I guess. And when he's introduced in the death of return of Superman, I guess, um, is, is that similar things that sort of made you interested in him? Well, I'm sure what initially started that there was just I tend to prefer the sidekick over the the main hero. Um, and I always enjoyed it when people would call him Superboy and he would flip out and get mad at him because he did not want to be Superboy. And then <laughs> it, it kind of felt like a big deal when he finally accepted that name. And when when you know, when Superman comes back to life and they defeat Cyborg Superman, it, it felt like a big deal when he accepted that he's Superboy and was proud of it. And I I'd followed the character ever since. Awesome. Awesome. Well, the flip side of that, who is your favorite DC villain? Um, I, I had to split this one up. I think in the movies, I would say Zod. Um, Zod is easily one of the greatest comic book movie villains ever. Um, in the comics, I think I would have to defer to Sinestro in this. Okay. And yeah, by the way, you're free on any of these to pick, you know, multiple versions if you want for movies <laughs> or TV or, or anything. That, that is perfectly fine. That's, uh, are you not as big on Zod in the comics? You just, you just prefer um, Michael Shannon's interpretation. Well, Michael Shannon's interpretation was fantastic. Uh, what I've read of him in the comics, I, I enjoyed, enjoyed Zod in the, uh, the Jeff Johns written arc. Um, I'm forgetting what it's called right now, but he did it with Donner. Um, uh, uh, Gary Frank, I think was the artist on that one. That- I, I enjoyed that story. Um, the, there's a current story arc going on right now in the Green Lantern books and the how Jordan and the GLC with Zod in it. And I'm absolutely loving it. So it's not that he's a bad character in the comics. I, I don't mean to imply that at all. If I do, I just, I think probably because I love the Green Lantern franchise so much and Sinestro is the greatest villain to all of the Green Lanterns, not just how, but all of them. And so I think that's probably why I defer to him. That makes sense. There's obviously a lot of, a lot of Sinestro fans out there and, He's, I mean, he, he just makes perfect sense as a Green Lantern villain. Yeah. So, would you like to see Sinestro in a film in the future? Oh gosh, yes. <laughs> the, the what what they teased with us at the end of the Ryan Reynolds film, the the credit scene where he puts on the yellow ring. Ah, uh, I would love <laughs> to see, love to see them actually follow through on that someday in the future. Obviously, they're not going to follow up to the Ryan Reynolds one, but give us the the Sinestro core. I would love to see that stuff. But of course, first I got to get Green Lantern again. <laughs> right. Right. Yeah. Mark Strong would have been so terrific, but I think that would be, I mean, there's so much space epicness potential there. I'm, I'm, I'm really hoping that 
that they decide to go back out into space. Like, and I feel like this new gods announcement that we got last week was really the first steps of that. I mean, if they're going to go with new gods and what, what's not on the table at this point. And so I I'm hoping that we get more from DC set off, off world, off of earth. Yeah, me too. Absolutely. There's tons of potential out there, you know, green lantern, you know, you, you mentioned the, all the fan or Ranagar or Than Thanagar and ran, excuse me, uh, Adam Strange and the Hawk people, which we we might get on Krypton, but uh, there's a lot of cosmic stuff that can be explored in film. Um, hopefully, hopefully we get to see, especially the Green Lantern Corps in the relatively near future, even though, you know, the last film didn't do so hot. I, I maintain that last film is, I feel like people look at it more negatively than, than they should. Um, it has its problems and I'd be happy to run them all down, but <laughs> I don't think it's as bad as people say. It, it's by no means a terrible film. I think it's just, uh, I enjoy it. Uh, I enjoy it for what it is. And I think it has a lot of good going for it. Um, but yeah, I mean, that's, that's a whole nother conversation. <laughs> the green lantern mm -hmm. film. Yeah. Uh, but that's a, that's a perfect segue into our next question. What is your favorite DC movie? It's gotta be wonder woman. That movie just floored me. Uh, I've never been the biggest fan of the character. I don't dislike. I don't dislike her. I dip in and out of the solo Wonder Woman comics. I always enjoy seeing her in other when she appears in other books like JLA or something. But that movie just absolutely floored me. Uh, how much I liked it. I mean, it start to finish. Loved every minute. Uh, I mean, like I said with Green Lantern, I could give criticisms of it, but it. I, I just love that movie. I mean, what they pulled off with that was incredible. Yeah, so were were you like were you hyped going into it? You you said you weren't you hadn't really followed the character that closely before. Were you going into it not expecting that much and you were blown away by it? Or or did you you know kind of going into um, it was gonna be good? Based on the trailers, I had pretty high expectations that I was gonna enjoy it. I mean the trailers, every trailer for it really blew me away and they didn't do anything especially egregious, like give away massive, massive plot details. Um I, I could tell that it was just different with that movie that just, you know, getting the first modern woman led female led superhero movie. It, I, kn I know a lot of people give Marvel flack for that and I've been one of them, but I'm like, you know what? At the same time, I'm glad it was Wonder Woman. That character deserves to have been the first of the modern day. And it just, for me, it, it lived up to the hype that had just built up around it. And you, I knew it was something special when I'm seeing like, Facebook friends of mine whom I never see talk about anything comic related posting about how great Wonder Woman was. Yeah. Yeah. Tough to argue with any of that. I mean, Wonder Woman is a fantastic film and you could try to pick some nits, but overall it's just, just terrific. Um, is there, I'm just curious, is there a pre DCEU standout for you in terms of a favorite film? Um, <laughs> maybe ironic with what I said earlier, but I'd probably have to go with the dark Knight. Um, but I, I think that would have less to do with Batman and more to do with uh, Heath Ledger's Joker. Yeah. 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 I, I, that's probably Heath Ledger's Joker is probably my favorite single performance of a film of any character ever. Uh, and it's just a terrific film from start to finish as well. So, yeah, tough to argue with any of that. On to something maybe uh, one of your favorite things to talk about. What would be your favorite DC TV show? You can go all time current or, or anything you want. I I struggled with this one. Um all time, I think I would have to give it to The Flash. I've just from from the pilot, I've been in love with that show. Um, 
not, not saying that I saw the pilot when it leaked, but if I were to have seen it when it leaked, I would have seen it five or six times before it aired. Um, I just absolutely loved it. And to this day, I love it. I mean, the last two episodes I, I thought were both really good episodes, really strong episodes. It It's just a wonderful show. That said, right now, current season, so far, it's hard to argue against Black Lightning. Yeah, it is very hard to argue against Black Lightning. It, they're, they're doing something incredible there. They are uh, watching this week's episode uh, without going into spoilers. I'll just say I felt like this is the argument for the Netflix style that some people wish the DCCW would move to like black lightning is the argument for it. Now I don't, I actually would prefer we get even more episodes than the 13 or whatever it is. We're getting a black lightning this year, but this is definitely like exhibit a, if you're going to argue for the shorter seasons. Yeah, absolutely. And yeah, there, there's obviously pros and cons to both, but it's tough to argue with the Flash being, I think it's still been, I know a lot of people have said it, it's dipped in quality, but I think top to bottom over the course of the four seasons, there's never been a more consistent, consistently quality TV show. Obviously, Black Lightning's on that path right now, but for four seasons to still be entertaining, still be doing, make still making good TV, I think Flash is probably you know the best for that. Yeah, I mean, Black Lightning is it's held its quality through its young season right now. But in three or four years, are we still going to to think that? Hopefully we do. Um, but I mean, the the inner flash time episode from a couple weeks ago might be my favorite episode of the entire series. Um, I'd really have to go sit down and think about that because there's definitely lots of wonderful episodes. But the fact that four seasons in, they're still pulling episodes like that. It, Amazing. And yeah, like if you look at things like Arrow, I mean, Arrow's in season six. And I think everybody who watches that show and who has watched it since episode one would agree that the quality has definitely been like been on a wave, like up and down, up and down. And it for for me, Arrow has not maintained the same quality level, like the consistent quality level from start to finish. And so far, the flash for me is still on that upward trajectory. Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, I agree completely. Yeah. Uh, next up, what is your favorite DC comic? So this can be a single book or it can be an arc, um, but it's whatever is your favorite. As as an arc, I think I would have to say the Sinestro Core War. Um, just the, I mean, the whole Jeff Johns run is it, it's fantastic, um, especially leading up to through basically the end of Black as Night. Just absolutely fantastic run. So Green Lantern Rebirth all the way through. But for me, the highlight of that would be the Sinestro Core War. Yeah. Yeah, that's obviously a tremendous long, long run. And uh, one of the, the most cited comic book arcs for anything this century, uh, Jeff Johns' run on Green Lantern. So it makes sense that, uh, well, Green Lantern being among your favorite characters, that it would also be one of your favorite arcs. Yeah. And what Johns did on Green, like everybody was so upset with Kyle Rayner because. Like I would read like the old DC message boards and people would just hate him because they thought he was disrespecting how Jordan and what came before. And that's a debate you can have, but John's proved that you can, you can prop them all up together that you can respect all the lanterns. And he brought, I mean, he brought guy Gardner back into it. He, I mean, John Stewart was already a green lantern at that point, but he furthered his role into it. And he proved that you can't, that there's room for them all in a way that for a long time, it seemed like, the fans were not willing to accept. And 
it just really worked for me. And I, again, the Sinestro Core War is the highlight of that. For for something a little more modern, I would give a shout out to the Injustice Digital series. Um, do you guys read that at all? I have not read it yet, but I really want to. It, I, I will tell you, I have not played the games that it was like based off of and around. You don't need that. The The book gives you everything you need to know story-wise. Um, I The art is a little inconsistent because of the digital format. It changes artists fairly regularly, but it, it is absolutely worth going back to the beginning and trying out. They're not, it's not the hardest book to read. You can get through them pretty quick, but it, you you'll know if you like it after three or four issues. And it is, they do things that the mainstream DC books that the main line can't do. Right. And it, it is one of those things where as an Elseworlds tale, even though they don't call it that it's, it's just phenomenal. And I still, every Tuesday look forward to getting the new issue. Absolutely. That's definitely something I want to check out because I, I do like Elseworlds in, in comic book formats. I think mean, that's a whole live action movies. That's a whole different argument. Um, but I am a big <laughs> yes, fan. Of, I am a big fan of Elseworlds in comics. So I, I'm fascinated by the Injustice world, what I know of it and, and uh, yeah, lots of good stuff that goes on there. It, it basically started from like when it came out, basically it's like it took the main mainstream and forked it off. And so it's it's not something so different like like the nail comic book where the league forms without Superman or uh, Red Sun where Superman lands in Russia. Right. It's not it's not some big difference like that. It's everything. Everything that you've known about the D.C. world, you pretty much know, has happened up to that point, And that's when the big diver, diver, diversion happens. Right. Absolutely. And that's a, that's a, a fun way. Fun, I don't know if fun is the best word for it, but it's, it's a unique way to look at the mythology and a what if that's a, the whole point of Elseworlds and everything like that. So what would be, do you have a DC guilty pleasure, something that is generally considered not good by the general public or, or not great or anything like that, but that you enjoy anyway, what, what would stand out to you there? I, th- I think I have something that'll qualify. Um, to to be fair, I've not gone back and watched it. I, I have no idea when the last time I watched this was. Um, but based on my pure memory, my favorite of the Christopher Reeve Superman movies was Superman 4, The Quest for Peace. <laughs> <laughs> I was hoping you would I say that. I <laughs> don't really know why. Um, I mean, he basically fights, you know, an evil clone of himself that Lex Luthor makes from a piece of hair he took off that was holding up a giant wrecking ball or whatever um it is such a goofy movie but something about it you know when i'm a little kid and i i had it on vhs or whatever and i'm just watching i was just amazed and yeah he fights other people like him and superman too obviously right i don't know why but where the goofiness and corniness that is in the other superman movie and they're there go back and watch them it's there it's product of its time for some reason superman 4 just clicked with me and i know it's i know I know it's not good. I get it. You don't have to tell me, but what can I say? When I think back on that movie, I just think of all the fond memories of me watching it growing up. Yeah, we we did a review of, of this movie. And like you said, there is so much goofiness and weird stuff in this film. But there is actually a pretty good film underneath all of that and some really fantastic moments. Like there's a lot of humor that actually works for me. I was laughing like him working out and the like double date kind of thing where he has to be Superman and Clark Kent at the same time. Yes. And, yes. And and then the speech that he gives at the end is one of the best like movie inspiring speeches of all time. I think Just, I have, 
I have such a fascination with that film. Go ahead, Brent. What were you saying? I, I was going to say, I just, every time he faces off with the nuclear man, I, it, for me, it, it was just fun seeing Superman go against someone who could match him one-on-one physically. Um, it, it's one of those movies that I feel like if, if you go into it and you're looking for something, if you're looking for Man of Steel quality, you're not going to find it. But if you're willing to accept that before you even start, it can be an enjoyable movie. Yeah, well, I think that definitely qualifies as a guilty pleasure. And like, <laughs> I, I do have such a fascination with that film because I, I appreciate what they were trying to do, what they were going for, trying to make it about something meaningful and something relevant at the time. And then, you know, they've got all the main cast back and the film in pre-production, which Canon Films, I just I just watched the documentary about Canon Films, how ridiculous that company was. They got the rights for Superman 4, slashed the budget, uh, cut the budget in half from almost from 30 million to 17 million right as they were about to start filming. Um, they couldn't do anything. And then not to mention they had a bad test screening. So they just chopped off 45 minutes of the film. I still want to see the Sydney Fury cut. Um, <laughs> so yeah, I, I have such a, I have an appreciation for it, but by no means am I claiming, claiming it's a great film or anything like that, but I, I am fascinated by, by everything that went on with that film. All right, next up, what is a DC thing that you dislike? So this can be like a specific instance that you remember, or it could be just like maybe a general trend of things or anything like that, but something you don't like about DC. Um, I'm going to say right now the lack of Connell. I I really <laughs> like what they've done with the John Kent character. Um, he's a great, great Superboy, and I would not want him to go anywhere. But um, I, I just I, I, I don't like that ever since the New 52, which to be fair, I actually have a lot of problems with the new 52 as a whole, but specifically related to Superboy, He's not a character that survived the transition from pre flashpoint to new 52 to re- rebirth. He just, he didn't make it. He didn't pull through. Um, so I, I guess really I would have to say that means as larger as for me, the new 52, just because I think on, on the whole, I think the new 52 did a disservice to a lot of the characters. Um, I understand that it brought in, and it was a great jumping on point for, for new fans or for fans who had left and are coming back. I understand all of that, but as a longtime fan, for me, the new 52 did a disservice to, to a lot of the characters and Superboy is my number one example of that. I, I really like Jonathan Kent as well. John Kent as, as Superboy, but I totally understand where you're coming from. And I would like to see, like you mentioned with Green Lantern, have room for everybody. Uh, where would you like to see Connell? show up or what, what, how would you like to see the ca- character handled in comics or live action, whatever? Um, yeah, live action would be great. And actually did a version of them on Smallville. Um, right. It, I mean, I think they could eat, I think that I, to, in my mind, they could easily bring them in and the time to do that would have been the Superman rebirth time when they kind of gave you the brief overview of this is Superman's history now. And they folded in a lot of the pre flashpoint stuff with, with the new 52 and kind of merged it all together. Like that, I feel like that was the ideal time. And of course, they went through the death and return of Superman in that. And Superboy was the one Superman not in the picture of the four Superman. He was the one they did not show. Um, I I think I would just bring him back in and say that he was stuck somewhere, stuck in the Phantom Zone, something like that. Or kind of do what they did with Wally West and pull him from the pre-Flashpoint world to the present day. Absolutely. Or the like they did with the, the Superman. Uh, you could just pull him, pull him out, and bring him back. Uh, obviously, you can come up with a comics reason for that. Um, I would love to see him side by side 
with John Kent. I mean, like uh, back in the in the nineties, the Chuck Dixon run on Nightwing. Some of the best issues of that were Nightwing and Robin together, and I feel like they could recreate that dynamic with Connell and John Kent, and that would be. I think that would be really special to see. That is a great idea, and who knows what's going on? You know, with Bendis taking over for Superman. Who knows where things will go with that? And but yeah, that makes a lot of sense uh, for Superman not to necessarily be the mentor all the time for John Kent, but have almost like a big brother type situation where someone he can relate to, a la Nightwing and Robin, like you said. Yeah, I guess that that could be an easy setup for the next next question potentially. Uh, what DC character would you like to see in live action? Either someone you know not currently not currently out there in live action or hasn't been out there in a while, uh, but TV or movie wise, who would, who would you like to see? Well, I, I'm going to go back to Green Lantern and, and this both both TV and movies. I mean, if we can get Superman in the movies and TV, we can get Green Lantern. And we, we got that just that little taste in Justice League. And I'm like, I just I want more of that. I do. But at the same time, the Hal Jordan character is so tied to both Barry Allen and Oliver Queen that it feels borderline criminal. We haven't gotten them yet in the DCCW. And I they've basically taken Hal and Barry's relationship and Hal and Oliver's relationship and kind of put it onto Oliver and Barry. But I would love to see that with, with Hal Jordan as well on TV. And, you know, anytime that gets brought up, people say the effects would be too expensive and yeah, sure they would be. But have you seen what they do with the Vixen effects, especially Vixen in season four of arrow, uh, the Mari McCabe version that would look perfect just make it green instead of the purple color and you've got your constructs it would be perfect i so i'm i'm gonna go with i want to see green lantern in the movies i don't care who i want to see how jordan with with arrow and the flash yeah i would absolutely love to see that on tv i i'm not going to hold my breath for it happening anytime soon though <laughs> well I they i mean the start of season four arrow of arrow he in the flashbacks was in coast city like that was the time and they didn't do it. Absolutely. And I don't, I don't think a, an earthbound green lantern would be terribly expensive um, to do the constructs and everything. It just, it just make some green blobs, right? <laughs> um, yeah. Obviously you'd want to make it look better than that, but it's supposed to look digital so it, you can get away with it. You know, and, and, it, it's and, not, something and it's it's not like, sharp. it's not like they'd have to do like Kilowog where it would have to be an all CGI character. Yeah, right. absolutely. So I guess if you had to pick one, you could either see this big budget, I'm going to make you choose here. Big budget film where Green Lantern in space, Sinestro, you know, you can have all of those alien creatures and everything like that. Or you can get Hal Jordan as an Earth Lantern spending time just on Earth with the the current Arrowverse. Which would you choose there? Assuming he is a at least recurring guest star on television and not just a one off episode, I would say put him in TV because I, I, I just prefer the longer form storytelling that television can give you that movies movies can do it but it takes it takes you know years and years to do it just to get six hours worth of content seven hours worth of content where you know a few years of television and you have a hundred hours of content and so for me i i think i would say put them on television um but again we can have both they're already doing both with the flash they're doing both or they've done it with Superman, with Tyler Hecklin on TV and Henry Cavill in the movies. Why can't we have both the things? More is always better. Sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> so, so, yeah. 
I mean, I I don't. I don't necessarily think that like the Sinestro core war could truly be done justice on the television budget. I, I mean, I'm not totally crazy, but obviously when, when I'm watching television, I'm not looking for movie special effects. And right. when, when you get them wonderful, fantastic, when you get something that truly looks movie caliber, that's great, but it's not realistic. And I understand that at the same time, if I go into a movie, I can't ex- necessarily expect TV caliber, long form storytelling. It just, by their very nature, they're radically different. And I just defer to TV and my personal viewing habits. Yeah, absolutely. They are very different. <laughs> All right. So to ramp up your DC spotlight, we leave maybe the, the most difficult question for last. Um, but here it goes. If you were in charge of DC entertainment, what is the first thing that you would do? Um, I would give Walter Hamada the ability to both make and execute a plan that goes beyond one or two movies at a time. Let him have a four or five movie plan minimum and execute it without the knee-jerk reactions that we've seen in the past. Absolutely. Instead of uh, making changes before you saw how the result saw the results of the previous change. Yeah. And I I would I would just do things maybe in a little bit more logical way. I would not start filming justice League three weeks after BBS is in theaters. I would not change suicide squad because of what people think BBS when they're completely different movies to begin with made by different people. Let, let the directors tell their stories, have the overall plan and just stick to the plan. I mean, yeah, if that means they do a Shazam movie and it doesn't go well, well maybe you don't do a Shazam sequel then, or maybe you just set realistic expectations before you're willing to do a sequel. It, I, I just, I would stop the knee jerk reactions and I would just let them execute their vision. I completely understand where you're coming from. You know, if you're going to, to make changes, you have to see how the previous one works out and you can't, you can't judge film, uh, film production on a small scale. Obviously there, you know, you can't make decisions based on small, small, points of data i guess and you if you make a change on the film it takes at least two years to understand how those changes work and you need to to have a plan and make the best plan possible and and stick with it while still being having enough leeway to to make minor changes when necessary i i would pick somebody i people like to talk about warner brothers being director driven and i think that's fine but it, it seems to me like they don't always have the conversations about what the producers want and what the directors want before the filming starts. Mm-hmm. And I feel like a lot of those creative differences conversations need to happen before they actually start filming. And that hasn't always been always been the case. Absolutely. I, I, I am not as hard on Warner Brothers when it comes to post-production changes and things like that when they have data like test screenings and, and that kind of stuff. But you absolutely need to make sure the director you have is making the film that you want and need at that time. It can just, you can't just be blindly director driven. Even if they're making a film, you don't want to be the film that they're making. Exactly. All right. Well, that is it. That is, that is all the questions. Um, of course you can find Brent DC TV squadcast fans without borders. You can find that stuff at suicide squadcast.com and you are on Twitter at Brent prime. Correct. Correct. Yep. So definitely give him a follow. It is worth it. And definitely check out his podcast as they are two terrific ones. Thank you. Really appreciate that. 
And thanks for coming on, man. It was a lot of fun talking DC yeah, thank and everything you. with you. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I, I really appreciate you guys uh, working me into your schedule. Oh, yes, of course. Anytime. So uh, thanks for listening, everyone. And we'll be back again tomorrow. All right. Thank you.